Well, good morning, church. It's great to have you with us today. I'm here again with Pastor Andrew, and we are going to continue today our series on Days of Glory. And last week, we looked at God's people preparing to cross the Jordan. And I think, Andrew, we talked about how this was a prophetic picture of Jesus and his church today. And I remember, Andrew, you unpacked how Jesus is coming back on the clouds of his saints, his people. We are at the hour where God is wanting to raise up more than ever a glorious people that will release his glory upon the earth. And as we continue the story of Israel today, we find that they are on the cusp now of crossing the Jordan and inhabiting the promises of God. Mm. So Israel is right is just about to access their destiny. God has called us to occupy space, to exercise dominion all throughout the earth to release his glory. And I know God tells Moses in Deuteronomy 7, chapter 1, that he's bringing his people to occupy seven nations. Mm. And these seven nations are a picture of the seven mountains that God has called us to occupy today. And it's interesting that God says to Moses that these these nations are stronger than you. So the seven mountains, they can appear daunting to us They are strong, they are big, but good news is that God has called us to occupy. He's given us the inheritance today. That's right. Um, And so when we pick up the story of Israel today in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, and God here says to Joshua, he says to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So here, they still are yet to to occupy their destiny, their inheritance. It hasn't been fulfilled. God's people have faced delay, disappointment, unbelief. They have an amazing inheritance, but it hasn't come to pass yet. Yeah, that's right. You know, Keith, we've got to be really careful when we go through times of disappointment Mm. and discouragement, delay, that we don't make wrong inner agreements because our inner agreements are what authorise the spirit realm to manifest in our life. Mm. In fact, the angel said to Daniel that he'd come as a result of Daniel's words. And so when we have inner, inner agreements that are wrong, that are based out of delay and disappointment, it empowers the whole spirit realm to manifest and to begin to be activated in our life. The enemy, it says in Daniel that the enemy wants to change our times and also the laws of God. So God has a plan and a purpose for our life and the enemy wants to adjust that. And he does that when we agree Mm. inside the inner inner vows that we make through delays and disappointment. Mm. In fact, you know, at the time of breakthrough, the enemy wants us to break down. Yeah. I don't know if, if those listening today have felt that, but I've certainly, you know, experienced that, that right at that very pivotal time when God's got an amazing breakthrough, all hell seems to break loose. Mm. And, you know, I want the people to know today that God has given us a prevailing, persistent, Spirit. In fact, the truth is that in the spirit realm, we are defined as being unstoppable. Mm, Just think about that. In the spirit realm, every believer is defined as being unstoppable. Yeah, man, I know I'm unstoppable. You are, Keith. That's awesome. Let's continue in verse 3 of Joshua 1, where it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, 
all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. It's a huge amount of land. Yeah. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it says in that scripture, every place that you set your feet. And mm. do you know, Keith, between 2002 and 2009, uh, they discovered in Gilgal there were five rock walls in the shape of a giant foot, wow. about the size of half the MCG. Wow. So imagine that the Israelites had created this uh, shape of a foot based around a rock formation, and it was like a prophetic declaration to all the world, to all those in the promised land, we're coming mm. and we're going to possess the land. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a key for us today, that we've got to go after the promises of God and we have to enforce the victory that Jesus gave us. Amen. That's right. So we can't be passive. We have yeah. to be active. We need to make prophetic declarations in our lives of God's victory and enforce the assignment the glory that he wants to bring to our lives. I know Norville Hayes says that you have to make the devil obey you. You cannot negotiate with him. You don't negotiate with a defeated foe. I mean, you That's enforce good. the defeat, you enforce the victory. This is a key for us today, for our assignment to bring about God's glory. We enforce the victory today. We make the devil obey because we have a prevailing, persistent spirit. Amen. Amen. I like Amen. that, Keith. Amen. And let's go back to verse 6 of Joshua 1. And it says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Yeah, you know, just, just we stop there, Keith. I, I just want to emphasize a point here that the church, you and I, and everyone listening today, we're called to minister to people who have experienced loss in their past. Mm. In, in this verse, it says, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. So Moses and the people of God that preceded Joshua, they had an inheritance, but many of them had lost that, had been robbed from them. Mm. And I believe right now that God wants to empower the church to help people take possession of all that they have lost, particularly what their ancestors lost, yeah. to restore everything that's been stolen. And... Um, I don't know about you, Keith, but there's things in my family line that I feel like the enemy's stolen. Mm, my yeah. grandfather, uh, great-grandfather, things that were destined for our family line that the enemy has robbed. And, and as God said to Joshua, that he's anointing his church to take back everything the enemy's stolen. That's right, that's good. That's great. So yeah, we don't accept what's happened in the past, what's been lost. We enforce it. That's right. We enforce the victory. Yeah. So let's continue. Verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Yeah, so in this passage of scripture, the, the, the Lord is encouraging Joshua, be strong, be courageous. Now, there's a big step up for Joshua, Keith, mm. in, in this whole story. He's following Moses, you know, the most amazing man in the Old Testament. What, what a figure to follow. Yeah, he's a giant. It's quite intimidating. And, and I wonder whether Joshua had seen himself as a servant rather than a leader. Mm. And uh, one of the things about the devil is he's, he doesn't want us going to new levels in God. And the way he keeps us from going to a new level is to force us to doubt our identity at that new level. So when we think about that new level, we can't see ourselves functioning 
at that new level. Mm. And so what happens is we then retreat at a unconscious level back to the level that we're at. We, um, we're, we're afraid to step out. And I was just reading this week, Keith, that you know they, they say that we can tell our income by the five people that we associate with. Mm, That's an wow. interesting thought, isn't mm. it? And this is, you know, generally speaking, they say that there are two people in our circle of friendship that earn more than us, two people that earn less than us, and one person that earns the same as us. And mm. if you divide those five incomes into five, you get the average, which is probably your income. And so what they were saying in this study, this survey, is that we associate with that which is familiar, that which we feel comfortable. And uh, we measure who we are by the people around us. And this was the challenge for Joshua, was that he had to see himself at a whole new level. And the enemy wanted to rob that. So Joshua could not envision himself at that level. Yeah, that's right. And that's really what God is saying to Joshua here, to, to correct that, that wrong belief system. He's saying, meditate on the, on the fact that my glory is within you, that I've got a glorious assignment for you. Meditate on, on, on how I see you, get my vision yeah. for your life. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Keith, I've got this medical term. I don't know if you've heard of this, but I, you know, I know you're very well read. Indeed. Have you heard of reticular activating system? I was on the tip of my tongue. It was, I knew <laughs> that. The RAS for short. Yeah. It's a bundle of nerves at our brainstem and what they tell us at any particular time, we've got roughly five to seven things that are going around in our unconscious mind. And, uh, and we're highly aware of these things, the things that we're triggered by. So I'll give you an example, Keith. I think it was uh, late last year, I decided to buy a new car, mm. a, a Mercedes. Lovely piece and, uh, of machinery. And it's a lovely piece of machinery. And so I did a lot of research on it. I was reading on it. I was probably dreaming about it at night. And, uh, and I made the purchase. I bought the Merc. Mm. And uh, you won't believe it, but following that purchase, it seemed like there were C200 Mercs everywhere. It's like Germany dropped a whole lot of cars mm. on the Melbourne uh, freeways. And mm. I was seeing them everywhere. It's like... Where were they before? Yeah. Well, that's the RAS being uh, outworked. That all, you know, those things that are in our subconscious mind, we get attracted to, we see them, and they begin to be drawn towards us. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's why it's so important to meditate on the Word, to meditate Absolutely. on how God sees us, because what gets our attention is what we see manifest in the natural. If you're, as an example, if you're believing for financial increase, you're meditating on the Word, you're meditating on God's anointing in your life to prosper, you will see opportunities to prosper. Yeah, juxtapose that. If you're meditating on fear, on lack and worry, you will see that where you go. Yeah. yeah, and that's why it was so important for Joshua to meditate on the inheritance because as he did that, it was like the RAS, all of a sudden opportunities, insights, strategies, solutions begin to come to the fore because mm. it's what's on his mind. And it's our value system that determines whether what we meditate upon is holy. So if we're meditating again on finances, mm. if we have a kingdom mindset, then that's okay because it will it will filter everything we meditate through. So. That, that's a really important point with Joshua. It was that God wanted him to be courageous, to meditate, because God wanted to take him to a new level so he could take the land. That's right. And this is where Holy Spirit plays a massive part for us today, because Holy Spirit is the ultimate 
RAS tuner. He uh, is. Amen. So we I see like that. with Joshua. Joshua had incredible vision, didn't he? He spied out the land. He saw the victory. It is a picture for us today of how Holy Spirit can tune our vision. This is why Joshua was called to cross over. That's right. Because he saw the opportunity where others didn't. And for us today to tune our RAS, to get the right vision, we need to be um, active, activating Holy Spirit in our lives. So we need to be praying in the Spirit, yeah. praying in tongues, actively engaging Holy Spirit, attuning our vision, our RAS, and that is where God's will will manifest and new opportunities will come. Amen. That's good, Keith. Yeah. So let's continue in verse 10 of Joshua 1. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Yeah. So following this in chapter two, it seems like the first thing that God does, Keith, is he begins to prepare his people to see in the spirit realm because we know in chapter two, verse 24, that they come back and they tell Joshua, the Lord's given us all the land. He says, uh, the people are melting in fear because of us. So all of a sudden God's people get spiritual sight because they're going against seven nations, mm. stronger, mightier than them, and they need to be encouraged. So God opens their eyes, Keith, in the spirit realm, so they see that really those that are for them are greater than those that are against yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. And in Joshua 3.9, it says that Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites, all of the ites. Yeah, all the so ites. Here we say that we're coming to, to the inheritance. The inheritance is manifesting here. That's right. Yeah. So we see a picture both here of Joshua, but also of the church that Preceding this, there was one generation of God's people that stayed in Egypt. They were the flesh pleasers. They were people pleasers. They were political. Mm. They, were, they were born again, but they were just going through the motions. That was the first generation. Yeah, and then the second, the, the generation that left Egypt, they embraced a miraculous lifestyle, didn't they? Yeah. So they had the pillars, the cloud and yeah. the fire, the manna and the quail in the desert, but they did not possess the promised land. So think about that. They had a hunger and a belief system for the miraculous yeah. and they saw the miraculous, but they lacked the vision to govern nations. And this is this is key for us today because if right. we can, as a church, have a hunger for the miraculous, have a passion to pursue a lifestyle of the miraculous, but we can lack the vision to govern the nations. And when we do that, we're actually out of alignment with God's will, his plan for the earth. See, God wants us to to um, govern That's right. the nations, yeah. that is his plan and purpose. So in Israel, in this scripture, when God got serious about discipling the nations, um, the people said no way and they didn't enter the promised land because they lacked the vision yeah. and the belief system right. to govern. They said no way, Jose. Indeed. And they stayed in the wilderness. But the last generation, which is what we want to model ourselves upon, they crossed over and they took their mountains, they took the promised land. Yeah, that's right. And they took the seven nations. And I believe we said this earlier, Andrew, these seven nations are a prophetic picture That's of right. the seven mountains in society that we see today, the seven mountains that God wants us to occupy and inhabit. And they represent the systems 
that God wants to bring his glory to through Jesus. That's right. So just in case you don't know, these seven mountains, they are education, media, business, government, religion, the mountain of family and the mountain of arts and entertainment. That's right. Amen. And this is where Jesus, he wants us to occupy. So in Revelation, you remember, Jesus opens the scroll. So Jesus, he ascends to heaven. Yeah. He, and he alone is worthy That's to right. open the scroll. And the scroll that he opens, that is God's battle plan for the church for this hour. How so, cool is that? It hey? is pretty cool. Love a battle plan. And this is his plan to judge, to cleanse, and prepare the nations right. to rule through Jesus. It's like the title deed of the earth, amen. Yeah. And the title deed of the earth involves the church actively influencing and taking dominion over these seven mountains, over every area of society. And he does that by raising up kings, his people, to rule and reign and operate in, in the realms between earth and heaven. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that, Keith, because as I've studied the scripture, I see this theme. It's like a thread that goes right through the Bible, this, the seven mountains, and it begins with seven giants, the seven giants that Israel face. Mm. And they represent mindsets that rebel against God's system. So think about the seven giants and they rebel against God's system. And then you have, as you go through the Bible, seven places where Jesus sheds his blood. And they are places where Jesus redeems all the works of the enemy. Every era of rebellion, Jesus redeems, which is really exciting. And then we have seven gifts, Keith. Mm. And these seven gifts are from the Father. And they are to replace all the works of the enemy with kingdom values. So you think about the seven gifts that the Father gives of giving yeah. and, and serving, all those gifts mentioned in Romans chapter 12. Mm. And then we have the seven mountains. Isaiah 2, 2 talks about the seven mountains. And they are then the restoration of God's government. Mm. And then finally, we see the, the seven attributes of Jesus' glory revealed in the mountains. And they are... Uh, mentioned in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. So we have seven giants that rebel, mm. seven places where Jesus sheds his blood, which is redeeming all that was rebelled against. Then we have the seven gifts of the Father, which are replacing all the enemy's works with kingdom values. Then we have the seven mountains, which is the restoration of God's kingdom. Mm. And then we have the seven attributes of Jesus' Uh, glory. And so in all those mountains, the glory of Jesus will be revealed. So listen to this, Keith, in Revelation 5, verse 12. It says, worthy is the lamb. And you just read about that, Keith, mm. that was slain to receive power. So power is government. He's worthy to receive riches. Well, that's the economy. He's worthy to receive wisdom. Well, that's education. Mm. He's worthy to receive might, which is family. Uh, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, a spirit of might and power yeah. to restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons. Yeah. Jesus is worthy to receive honour. So religion, the honour of God will be seen amongst the church. Mm. Uh, no longer will the church be the tail, but will be the head. Amen. Uh, worthy are you, Lord, to receive glory. That's arts and entertainment. The glory of the Lord will be seen in fashion, in, in design, in movies, yeah. it's so exciting. Yeah. And finally he says, whether you to receive blessing, that's, that's media. Mm. So instead of fear being 
uh, perpetuated through the media, there's going to be blessing. They'll be speaking words of encouragement and hope. Yeah. So we see right through this, the Bible, there's this thread running throughout the scripture that God is so passionate about restoring the, the, his system, the mountains of society mm. under kingdom rule and yeah. reign. Oh, that's awesome. And I mean, and the question we need to ask ourselves today is how will this happen? And it happens through you today, yeah. through me, yourself, through the church. His kingdom comes to the mountains as we bring the, the solutions That's right. to the problems that each mountain faces. So it's about discipling nations. God has a passion to disciple nations. So his glory is too great to be contained to just you or I. Yeah. It's, he's, it's too great to be contained to just individuals. His glory has to be reflected throughout the nations. Amen. That's an amazing point, isn't it, Keith? Mm. To think about that God's glory is too big just for one individual. Yeah. And I don't know that the church has seen that. You know, no. that, that God is, like you said, way too big mm. to be contained in just one person. That's right. It, and even a nation is way too small, but it, it gives God the opportunity to reflect himself in such a greater way. That's so it's right. amazing, yeah. yeah. And God has an incredible heart and incredible passion for the nations. The nations are his children, yeah. amen. And the systems of the nations are actually there to convey his glory and wisdom manifest functioning throughout society. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, the spirit world is not warring over individuals so much as, as systems. You know, we often think the devil's after individual people, but the truth is he's after systems. And that's why, uh, Keith, when we read about uh, Jesus and Satan warring in the wilderness, it wasn't warring over souls. Satan didn't say, you know, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you Andrew and Keith and, mm. you know, I'll throw in Jasmine or... He wasn't over individuals. He was warring. The, the whole uh, battle, the mm. transaction was over systems and kingdoms. He says, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. So the spirit war is not over individuals. It's over systems. And so we need to understand that, that God is passionate about nations and systems and the devil knows that. And so the devil's aim, Keith, is to weaken and to destroy nations. He wants to destruct nations. He wants to bring chaos into every system. And that's what he does. That's his nature. And so God's nature is obviously the opposite. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, God loves manifesting true governance. Amen. So he loves exalting good news of hope. He loves to show the glory of creativity, to reveal godly wisdom and to provide for his children. God's a good father. Yeah. And he wants to provide for his children, the nations, and to create a culture of honour. So all these represent, they represent the manifestations of God, the glory of God, the God of honour throughout every mountain of society. Yeah, that's right. And so I guess, Keith, what we want to lead to today is that there's a way to solve the world's problem. And the way that we solve the world's problems is teaching them the way that God does things. And so God wants us to think in a whole different way that, that it's, the church is not just about coming to church on Sunday and, mm. you know, and seeing people saved. And they're all good things, but God wants us to think on a macro level that we're called to disciple nations, that we're problem solvers. And, uh, mm. and the way we solve problems in, in the systems is we've got to teach them how God does things in the system. I, I'll give you an example. Mm. This is something I'm quite passionate about, Keith. It's uh, the, 
the mountain of economy mm. or, or business and finance. And so I study a lot of that and I'm asking God, what are your solutions? What are the problems? And how do you want to convey your glory mm. in these mountains, Keith? Mm. And so one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is debt. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's debt everywhere. Yeah. Uh, as I read up on the mountain, it, it seems like the enemy is bringing destruction to the mountain of, the, of economy or business. You know, I was reading, Keith, that US debt is up 31 times since 1981. So wow. imagine that if since 1981, your debt level had gone up 31 times. Yeah, it's staggering. But at the same time, their tax revenue had only gone up six times. So their income's up six times, but their expenditure's up 31 times. Mm. And so the Fed Reserve, you know, is um, brought down interest rates to zero. So right now there's no incentive for people that save, that do the right thing, and there's no real risk for those that are out there abusing the system. Yeah. And uh, right now, you know, over the last, I believe, six weeks, the Fed Reserve has released $2 trillion worth of loans. And that's more than the four years following the Great Recession in 2008. Wow. And so we can see this, this increase of debt and money being printed into the system. And, uh, you know, it's crazy that when you add up all the government, business debt, private debt, it's 250% of their annual output. So all the money, their GDP of the whole year, their debt's 250% higher. So it's unsustainable. So I look into the business mountain and I say, God, what is your, what's your answer for this mountain? Yeah. And so, you know, we've really got to think about that. And Keith, you and I were talking just before that we've got to start thinking like Joshua is not like just the average person. Mm. So the average Christian, they got that $750. So if you're in Australia, we got from the government $750. Uh, last month, we're going to get another lot in a couple of months time, mm. a bit of a handout and a hand up. And so the average Christian's going, hey, this is amazing. You know, new TV, mm. new pair of roller skates or whatever it is that you buy. Roller skates is probably a bit outdated. And, uh, but see, that's not thinking like a Joshua. It's yeah. not thinking like a leader. That's not bringing solutions into the, the economy. So, you know, part of me was, you know, thankful that I got it, but the other part's pain because I know this next generation's gonna have to pay the bill. That's right. So I'm saying, God, what are the solutions for the mountain that you've called me to be in? How do I pray into that? What do, what do you see? How do we deal with the issues of debt, Lord? Um, what do we do? How do you want us to, to operate? And so God, give me wisdom. Joshua had to think at a higher level. He had to think like a leader. And so, so that's what we talked about before. The enemy wants me to stay at my current level. He doesn't want me to think at the next level. The next level's thinking like a father, mm. not like a son, not like a child. A child's saying, great, I've got a handout. Mm. This is amazing. But the father's thinking, what about the consequences? Yeah. How do I fix it? So I, I'm praying that all the church gets a revelation of this, that we're called to bring solutions to the mountain that we're called to, to inherit. And so not just being part of the problem, not just being another debt spender, but saying, okay, God, how do you want to bring your answers to society? Yeah, that's great. And as you said, we are the Joshua generation. We're called to inhabit the land, occupy yeah. the promises of God. So we need to have a Joshua mindset in, in this right. hour. We need to think like a conqueror, like someone who brings the glory of God. So things that we need to ask ourselves today, I guess, the questions is that we need to learn how to think like a person that brings solutions to the problems. Yeah. So some of the things we need to start thinking about about is 
who is the enemy that operates in the mountain that I'm called to? So That's if you right. call the finances, who is the enemy there? What is that system? And then secondly, we need to ask ourselves, what are the lies that they are bringing to that sector of society. That's right. What is the deception of the enemy that is apparent, that's that's not reflecting God's glory? And thirdly, what is the system of ethics apparent in that mountain? See, we see this throughout all areas of society, through government, through finance, media, particularly in arts and entertainment. That's that right. The enemy places people at the top of those mountains that reflect his ethics and not God's. Yeah. And we need to start to, to pray into that, to start to release um, you know, the prophetic declarations that people will be raised up to those positions of power that carry the glory of God, that reflect his ethics, that want to bring honour to those mountains. Yeah, that's really good, yeah. Keith. And so as we conclude today, I just want to again emphasise the Father, the heart of the Father and his passion for what we're talking about today. This is on the mind of God. This is very much on the mind of Jesus. In fact, when he rose from the dead. You know, Keith in Mark 16 mm. verse 9, here is a profound thought to finish with. It says that when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary. Mary, Mary absolutely. Out of whom he cast seven demons. Yeah. See, the Bible's laced with revelation and insight for those that want to see it. I asked myself, why would Jesus first appear to Mary? And, and and the other thing is he appears to those because there's something that's foremost on the mind of Jesus. Mm. And I believe he appeared to Mary for a number of reasons. One is that Mary's name means rebellion mm. and tower. Yeah, wow. And it's a picture back to the Tower of Babel that, yeah. that this is where man first rebelled at the tower. So laced in her name is insight to what's on the mind of Jesus. He wants to undo the rebellious works that happened at the Tower of Babel, which is where the enemy set up his systems mm. to, to take over society. Yeah. The other thing about Mary is that she's got seven demons. And so it's pretty obvious that there's a picture there of the seven mountains that she was delivered from these demonic stronghold. And Jesus is appearing to Mary because he's saying to all the disciples, this is what's on my mind. I want to restore the seven mountains. I want to bring down the strongholds. I want my mountains back. Yeah. And go and tell my disciples, he's saying, I want to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. You know, the Bible says that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of Abraham. He brings salvation. He's the God of Isaac. He brings sonship. Mm. But he's the God of Jacob. And Jacob is known as the one with of spiritual dominion. Out of Jacob comes the name of Israel, mm. the Prince of God. Yeah. And so God wants us to go from salvation to sonship to spiritual dominion, to exercise kingdom dominion on the seven mountains. And the, you know, people get weird about spiritual dominion and it's not to usurp people that we see ourselves superior, but it's, it's bringing the dominion of God's rule and reign. So God's peace, his love and his joy and his wisdom would come to every one of those seven mountains. Yeah. So as we finish, we just want to conclude by saying this is very much on the heart of God, the seven mountains being restored. So Keith, I thought it'd be great if you would pray today for mm. those that are listening, that they would get a revelation of the seven mountains, the passion of God, but also they would really get a revelation of the mountain that they're called to serve in, the mountain they're called to pray into, the mountain they're called to bring solutions to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get ready.
to pray now and receive a, an upgrade today, a new passion and via for yeah. your assignment. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you have given everyone watching today an incredible assignment. I thank you, God, that you have equipped and you have sent forth everyone today to go and occupy one of the seven mountains of society. Yeah. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. I just release a fresh revelation of people's assignment today, fresh downloads from heaven about where they're called to go and what they're called to do. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for a fresh passion, a fresh fire and a fresh zeal for that mountain. Yeah. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you've given them everything, every tool that they have to prosper, to multiply. I thank you, God, that everyone watching today is part of the Joshua generation. Amen. And I thank you for a fresh vision. I release a fresh vision over people today and upgrade in thinking. I thank you that everyone today carries the Joshua mindset, that they are able to see the promises of God and bring about His glory. So we just release people afresh today into their assignment, whether that be government, finances, media, religion, family, arts and entertainment. I thank you, Jesus, you are yeah. upgrading people to take the mountains in a powerful, powerful way. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we do that. Keith and I, we release the glory of Amen. God from us to you right now. Amen. Wherever you're watching, may the glory of God come upon you in such a profound way that you get upgrades, mm. that you get spiritual revelation and insight, Amen. and that you go from glory to glory. We say that this day, these days, are the greatest days of your life. Amen. So Father, let your glory go right Thank now Jesus. into every heart and bring revelation, excitement, increase, boldness and courage. Amen. So on behalf of Keith and I, we bless you and we thank you for spending this time with us. God bless you. Bless you.